1: hello hello hello, and welcome to kernels i'm christopher hooton the independence culture editor and human man and uh this week mostly just been witnessing as hollywood implodes but and amongst that i managed to find time to talk to Azif kapadia who is one of the directors of netflix's new show mind hunter that i feel like most of you're probably familiar with by this point is is kind of didn't get a huge amount of promotion and advertising and yet it's kind of seeped into everyone's watching I found and uh, a lot of people have managed to smash out all 10 episodes already so if you're not familiar um, I think you'll still get something out of this interview um, because it kind of has two parts to it the show is about the FBI in the 70s and kind of around the time when they stopped rather than just locking up serial killers thought hang on maybe we can talk to these people and try and work out what's going on inside their head and better understand them, and maybe we can stop people from doing similar things in the future, or we can try and understand why they have and get to the perps quicker. It's a very gripping, well crafted, smart show. And it doesn't rely on gore, which is something me and Azif talk about, and the direction is very controlled and stylish. So I wanted to talk to Azif, who directed episodes three and four about the show and about what it was like to work on it and, you know, David Fincher's the mastermind behind it, what it was like to learn from him. But I also wanted to talk about how TV shows are put together when they have multiple directors and who decides uh, who's doing what episode and how do they all operate independently and yet create a show that feels like cohesive and still like it's one show. So I'm not going to jabber on because we discussed most of this in the interview. All you really need to know about him He's a British director, it's his first time doing TV, and his probably two most well-known works are the Amy documentary, Amy Winehouse documentary, Amy and Senna. So I hope you enjoy, and as always, thanks for listening, and you know, if you get a chance today, subscribe to the podcast, rate the podcast, review the podcast, follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, call your mother, buy a yo-yo, just go and stand under the sun and feel humbled, I don't know. Thanks, and yeah, catch you in a couple of weeks. Thanks. Hey, Zeus, how, you, how you man? You all right? Yeah, good to meet you. Good to meet you. Just been rampantly reading about all the Mueller stuff. I guess as someone who's just been directing stuff about the FBI, you've been well, <laughs> interested as well. It was
2: well. interesting to be in America during the election. Yeah. Just put it that way. I was shooting this show really? during the election. Yeah. So... um it was a, a strange time. Yeah. And also being away from home meant I was basically watching all of the kind of TV of yeah. you know, Clinton and Trump and everything. And Farage was on TV a lot in the background. I kept going, I, I just come from Brexit. <laughs> yeah, And that, to go straight to the American election and be watching the news and going, it's the same, they're using the same language. <laughs> There's a lot in common be- with the way they were pushing for Brexit. And the way they're pushing, and you realise there's a lot of links in the background, which I yeah. kind of subconsciously was thinking, there's something going on here. These are the same people.
1: Yeah, it was a crazy time. I was in uh, the US when, when Trump fired Comey, and I was like <laughs> trying to leave my hotel room, but I was just like glued to the K <laughs> yeah, news. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, congrats on Mindhunter. Great. I really enjoyed it. Good. A show, a show that seemed like it snuck up on a lot of people, I think that people weren't that aware of, and then it came out, and then everyone I know was suddenly yeah. watching it and got really into it. Which is great, yeah. I guess that's a nice way to do
2: it, yeah. I think that was, um, it's, it did sneak up on you.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about how, um, like, if you're you know if you're a big movie fan and you're interested in how movies come together, you can follow the process of, you know, who's being tapped to write it, who's being tapped to direct, like from beginning to end, you know, on in like deadline, Hollywood Portal or trade mags. With with TV, it's not so much. I think people don't know about the process as much. So I kind of was interested to know how you became involved with Mindhunter, like how that process went down. Good question, you know, because um, I'll be honest, this is my first experience of TV. So mm. I've come from
2: the features and from doing drama and from doing documentaries and I've sort of done commercials, but I've never really done television. I never found anything that excited me. And with anything, it's like there's a lot of luck. You've got to be in the right place at the right time. Um, and also there's a lot of uh, prep, I suppose, that you do that you don't know you're doing at the time. So this... From my point of view, you'd have to ask David how it came from their side. Um, but I was out... We're talking about... I heard about this not... So it would have been 2015, 2016 mm. is when I first heard about this show, and I would have heard about it from my agent. And I think uh, Charlize is at WME. Yeah. She was developing a show I, I know a little bit. I knew Joe Penhall. So I knew he was working on this show, and I knew it was Fincher's project, and he was showrunning it. And I heard something about they were interested in me, and then it went quiet again. And you go, wow, this would be great, Fincher, Charlie yeah, Theron, yeah. Joe Penhall. But I heard a, a little peep, and then it went quiet for months, and I was like, okay, forget about it. And then I was in LA a lot, because I was on the kind of promotion of Amy. And I happened to be flying like every weekend, I'd be in New York I'd be in LA and I'd be coming back home and I'd be flying back. And then um, it was like, they want, they'd like to meet you. So it was then I met with David and I met with Josh, who's one of the producers, Josh Donan, as literally I was in kind of awards season yeah. on Amy. And I met with them and I subsequently learned that David had liked Senna a lot and he'd liked Amy. Right. And Charlize had liked Amy and we had a chat and I don't think I'd seen any drama that I had made. But funnily enough, once I'd read the scripts, they'd sent me some scripts that would have told me about the project and how it wasn't gonna be It's really interesting because how they pitched it is basically how the show turned out. It wasn't gonna be gory, it was gonna be people talking yeah. in a room, discussing bad things. And and you would understand the psychology of them and it was gonna be it recorded interviews and it's gonna be about these guys said so a crime's already happened, but they're trying to understand the brains. And essentially what I said is, this sounds fascinating because the timing is perfect for me, because one, I'd love to work with you. I love the idea. I'm really interested in the psychology of people. And I have spent the last seven, eight years of my life making two documentaries, Senna and Amy, where I didn't film people. I met with them and I did audio interviews. Mm. And I would do the audio interview, go away, do a transcript, and then study what they'd said and try to piece together what had happened in the story. (laughs) And then I'd find some visuals to put on it. So literally, I'd come out of Making Amy, where I was dealing with someone had died, a young woman had died, didn't seem to be much of an investigation. And I was like, I can't believe no one really looked at what happened here. I'll be the person who will look at it. And then we became detectives, almost. Our job was to unravel and to talk to everybody. And sometimes people that you liked, sometimes people you didn't like. But the idea was to be straight, chat to them, get a transcript, try to understand
1: what they were saying and that's what the show turned out to be. That's interesting because I, w- I was thinking like preparing for this, like looking back at your filmography, is like it doesn't didn't le- leap out to me that you were necessarily like an obvious choice to be yeah. doing like a, a, a kind of police procedural, but then when you think about it in terms of investigating Amy and it is yeah. is all about the conversations, it yeah. does actually make a lot yeah, of sense.
2: Yeah, and and it really helps that. Um, and then and then once I was on the show we were in prep and David told me the story that was just like it's a great story which obviously I wasn't there so this could be made up but I'm sitting having a pizza with David in Pittsburgh and he's like oh, but I still don't really understand why am I here how did I end up here <laughs> and he's like well once you know my friend comes around and knocks on my door and says you've got to watch this and his friend is Brad Pitt and Brad Pitt turns up with a copy of Senna and says, this is great, you've got to see this. And then they go round to the other mates Steven Soderbergh's house and they watch it or something <laughs> like that. It was just the most surreal story. Yeah. So they had seen Senna and liked it, that Brad Pitt had liked it. And then I think Steven Soderbergh is really into Amy Winehouse. So it just is luck that there was this yeah. connection to these other films that I'd made. And, <clears throat> and then they'd seen The Warrior, which I gave them, which is my first yeah. feature. And that was him.
1: And then we were out there and it was like a great experience. Really yeah, amazing. sure. I couldn't. I was trying to work out whose whose baby it is. Is it David Finch's? Is it Joe Penhall's? or like?
2: I don't know. I think this is all precedes my um, involvement, but I think it started with Charlize, right? Who optioned the book? She gave it to David, and then Joe came on and spent quite a few years div- uh, adapting it. Yeah. Have you read the book? No, I haven't. No. It's An interesting book, but mm. I think um, you know Joe then did an adaptation where he had to take lots of characters and lots of stories and and created,
0: um, you know, Holden and Tench. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And... Don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.
3: Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details.
2: Um, but yeah, that, that's as far as I know, it's the three of them. And then really it was Joe writing and then, and then it's always... David's very particular, very precise, and it was kind of it's his show. He runs it, mm.
1: and presumably it's David Fincher who sets the directorial style. Yeah, that's of course, yeah, yeah. And then how I always find it interesting about that TV when it's different directors, but how do you keep it cohesive so everyone's keeping within that? Because it, it does have a, a Fincher style to it, doesn't it? Even the episodes that everyone else is worked For me, for. that was the most exciting thing yeah. was to go into
2: something with someone who I really, whose work I really like, but I. Honestly, before I went into it, I did not really know how he did what he did. And then to just be able to spend time watching. And I and it's one of the things that I've... You know, I've kind of been around a while doing various different things. you very hard, if you're a director, to watch another director work. Because mm-hmm. really, there's no job, really, you can do on a show. If you are... A sound person you can work your way up if you're in a camera department you can work your way up if you're in the editorial department you can work your way up if you're an actor you may have a small role and you get a bigger role but if you're directing you're directing or yeah. you're not it, being an ad an assistant director is not necessarily a way to become a director if you're production you work so it's very rare that i've had the opportunity or met the person who's willing to share their experience and david was really giving me really a sharing and it was always very much like you have the freedom we're hiring you to direct but there are aesthetics which I kind of learned bit by bit from the crew and by watching Rushes I mean I was the third director out of four to shoot so yeah. by then I'd seen Rushes and I'd seen I wasn't around for a lot of the prep quite a few of the team I think had been scouting together watched movies together in America I was the last one to come on board so I didn't have any of that experience I just saw what had already started in prep and was shooting and I would watch it and try to understand the lenses and the framing and the reason the kind of the performances and the camera style from afar and then once I got there I spent time in a DOP and then we would talk about okay these essentially there are lenses which are the preferred lenses but apart from that you can kind of do what you want but it's not a handheld show it's not a steadicam show if you want to move the camera it's tracking yeah. So there were certain rules which I thought I don't, I don't think they'd call them rules there were kind of elements that were this is the palette of the show and I thought, that's great, I'm cool with that. My dream would be, because I knew I was doing episode three and four directly after David's, just don't screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to be the one that they will watch directly after his episode. It was really going to be, I am not here trying to say, this is how I'm going to do it. My job was, yeah. as much as possible, I'm not David Fincher, was to be myself, but to try to find a way for the audience to not be taken out of the show
1: when episode three and four come along. Yeah, it's so interesting because, you know, so usually it's all with directors, it's about idiosyncrasies, whereas this is more about funneling yourself into... Yeah, and and you
2: know what? This is really interesting because that is something that I felt when I was making documentaries, when I am making documentaries. Mm. For me, the films at work, drama, initially, I don't want to be aware, oh, look how clever I am when I'm watching a film. That's not how my... That's not my directing style. And when I'm doing a doc... There are lots of very successful documentary directors who are always in their films. You see them, you hear them, it's about their experience of something. When I started making docs, I was like, I don't want you to think about who made it. I just want you to care about the character and be in their character's head, and you're following their journey as if nobody directed this. You're just watching Senna's life. Hmm. This was Amy's life. And so the whole idea for me is to take myself out. It's evidently directed. There's a hell of a lot of work that goes into it but I want to be invisible. And then at the ending, you go, who made that? All right, that guy, all right. Yeah. And I wanted, the, the, my experience on this was, it's always gonna be Finch's show. They've spent years on it, I'm gonna come in. I'm an in-between kind of what had been shot before, and some of the ending had already been shot, and the middle hadn't been shot when I came along. So myself and Tobias actually spent a bit of time together, who shot five and six. Right. So we, and our episodes kind of crossed over, so we were the two people that were around, and then there was one point on the set when we were shooting in the studio, David was shooting, we were shooting a car scene. And everyone was shooting scenes for their eps, but we were using the same actors, um, Jonathan and Holt, mm. and the same car. So rather than taking the car apart, relighting it, we basically kept the car. David shot his scenes, he walked off, I shot my scenes, <laughs> I walked off, and Tobias shot his scenes. So there were three directors That's on crazy. set at the same time. But it was great. Yeah. Because it was like, we're all on the same team. It wasn't competitive. It wasn't yeah. like, you know, there was, it was a really interesting way of working, which I've never had in my life. That experience of three of us all sitting there looking at your iPads when someone else is shooting, but being aware that we're all part of the same
1: yeah. team. This is probably a really dumb question, but like, in situations like that when it's all on, even on the same set, why is it not just the, the same director for the entire season?
2: <laughs> You'd have to ask David. I yeah. just think it's a hell of a lot of work. Right. Some people try and do it, but I think 10 eps is a hell of a lot. And the schedules and times just mean that I guess you have to break it up a bit. And he wanted to. I don't know if he wanted to take on 10 features. Yeah. You know, It's the equivalent of doing a feature. And sometimes you've got to be prepping one to be ready to shoot the next one so that when one finishes, because the crew carry on. So the crew are working like for nine, ten months non-stop. It's unbelievable yeah. what they're doing. But the directors have to be on it the minute they start because the schedule is tough, and so the actors and everyone else is is continuing on, and we come straight in with our idea and our passion and our energy, which drives them on to the next yeah next block of shooting. I funny. I was talking. I had a lot of location stuff. My my mm, was yeah yeah. Because you had the uh, the bit in the, the scrapyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I, I like shooting on location. So it's interesting that that's part of the process of developing your apps, is that I was working with writers and my instinct is to kind of take things out of a room and to try to go out but it just happened to fit perfectly with the beginning of that whole storyline which is in the middle of the series yeah the body where's the body found who are the people so um i think some of the other apps were more studio and interiors and i quite like shooting a location which makes it more challenging because it was autumn daylight hours are getting shorter and because of the technique that David shoots, he shoots a lot of coverage. There's a lot of shots. Mm. So trying to get as many options. So stylistically, you have as many shots that you can cut a scene in the same way on location. is quite a challenge. Yeah, I read an interview with the DOP, um, Eric. He's, he's given quite a few interviews. It's worth reading if you've yeah. had a chance. But he said the toughest day on the entire series was a particular scene that we had to shoot with an interview when we had really bad weather, like rain, sun, cloud, everything happening every few minutes, really noisy, dogs barking, cars, helicopters, planes. And it was my first day of shooting. <laughs> so his toughest day on the <laughs> entire show, which is he was on it for like eight, nine months, was day one. You didn't I know that inside, he was like, ah. Oh. I could see all the crew were <laughs> going like, what, is, what idiot picked this location? It was kind of, with me. But obviously when we scouted it, it was incredibly quiet. And the day we go to shoot, there's roadworks down the road. It was just the worst.
1: It was really yeah. tough. It's always interesting to hear from DOPs, actually. You don't much in in the press, but it's, it's always fascinating. I think if
2: you work with David Fincher, the look is such a yeah, key yeah. part. And he, Eric, was brilliant. Eric Messerschmidt. Yeah. And very young. And David's great, to kind of go back to your first question. He gives people a chance. He's If you look historically, famously, he's he's got kind of people who are on the rise and said, Eric, I don't think I've been in a DOP on a show before.
1: Mm. This is his first show. Well, wow.
2: You know, he's a gaffer, which is an electrician. Yeah, yeah. Um, who's done some big films. And he's like, no, I think you can do this.
1: That's really cool. Yeah, That's pretty amazing. Yeah.
2: And then people come out on the other end and they're like, suddenly they've done this big show. So for me, it was like, great, I've never done TV, but I've never also been attracted to a lot of the stuff that I'd read. yeah. Or they just didn't think I could do it. And then Fincher comes along and is like, no, I think you can do
1: it. And, and it's really good at giving you confidence to say, go, you do your thing. Now, this is your first experience with this, but I was, I was thinking about how, um, I was talking to Killian Murphy last week because the new season of Peaky Blinders is coming out. Yeah. And he was talking about how in the first season of that they had different directors. Yeah. And now they have transitioned to having the same one. Right. And he was saying that sometimes he he did find it a bit difficult working with different directors on a season yeah. because you gonna gonna feel maybe pulled in different directions by them. Did you were you conscious of that or did you pick up on that or anything like that?
2: Yeah. But that, that I mean I, I only met I met David and I met um Tobias, who shot after me, and I don't think like, I could Andrew had shot before me, but I never met Andrew. So it was a weird thing to kind of follow on. Yeah from somebody that you've not met. But that, that kind of personality, obviously, more so with a crew, the cast, I'm still getting to know them. It's only later on you get to know them well enough. It's almost like you're halfway through. But I think that, that is a curious thing about TV, I think. That, mm. that must be a challenge. And I think for the actors, definitely, in the end, I'd be, you'd have to ask Killian, who's done quite a few series and a very experienced actor. In the end, he kind of, you just end up yeah. nodding and just do your own thing because you know your character better than anyone else. I don't know. You'd have to ask how he did it.
1: I see what you mean, though, about with crew, because everything's so habitual that if everyone, someone has a slightly different rhythm, it yeah. must be difficult to
2: yeah. adapt. Yeah, I think... I, think um, I don't know. I don't know how many episodes there are, Peaky Blinders. I don't know how many... They're on... This is season four coming right. up, soon. Yeah, I, I'm really bad, also, because I, I don't really... <laughs> when you're working, you don't have much time to watch stuff, <laughs> yeah. so I don't really know about um, any other shows, but in this particular case, that's how it was set up
1: yeah yeah. and um, the thing I like uh, one more question actually about the, the breakdown of it um, in terms of who directs which episodes were you part of that decision and if not do you know what went into it and why, why they decided right as if you're doing three or four
2: it's a really interesting question I think I think I may well have read at some point all of the eps or most of the eps it was already, long before I came on board, probably decided that David was going to open and end the series. At some point, I'm sure there was a discussion of why don't you do all of it, and he obviously didn't want to do all of it. He wanted to bring on directors. Um, but he was going to open the series and end the series, so it was basically three blocks in the middle. And like I said, I think I was the last to come on board. And, and then it almost came down to schedule, like when are you available, when are you not available? And the... What was up for discussion is whether or not I was going to shoot in the summer. So this is last year. Am I going to shoot in the summer or the autumn? That's what I remember. Mm -hmm. Because they started in May and I think they finished in November, December. So they were shooting for a good chunk of the year. And the first block was going to be David. Probably the second block was going to be David. And then this other guy, Andrew, sort of said, I'll do that block. And then with um, Tobias and I, the interesting conversation came down to we've both got kids so it's like well summer holidays we're probably going to be not available so then the autumn and it's yeah. like you're always juggling kind of the episode with the block and then family and then mm. interestingly enough I don't know if you noticed it when you watch it but the, the seasons change during during mm. the series so it starts with summer it ends with summer but in the middle um, is autumn and winter and so my series my ep became autumn and then Tobias did the winter months and so that's how it ended up being worked out, is that for my storyline, the idea of that dump and a body being found somewhere that didn't look pretty, Yeah. it needed to look, it was one of the bigger set pieces that we had to create. So the idea of it looking snowy or rainy and grim with no um, greenery was one of the factors that then defined when we would shoot my series, my, my, my apps. And yeah. that became
1: as late as possible. Was that one of the most difficult shoots on, you did on of on that one? Or? Well, it was, it was very, it was, yeah, it's a
2: big set, yeah. you know, and it's kind of a visually quite an important thing, and finding the right place, and then literally it came down to, well, when is the winter going to arrive? <laughs> because it was quite a mild winter, and so, the, you know, there was a lot of going there, looking at it, going, well, it's still really green. Because yeah. there's a couple of moments in that when Holden, Jonathan's character, is looks looking the woods, yeah. and is looking around. And it's just like, it can look really pretty if it's lush and green and the sun's shining and it looks quite grim. And I think originally David had scouted it in the winter and liked it and he was like, we should be doing this in the winter. So there was a whole thing was re is around. And in my scene, my eps then affect Tobias' eps because they have to come after. So it's like little conversation like that affects everything. And it was perfect timing for me then, because I was shooting this time last year, so it was September, October, November is when I was shooting.
1: Yeah, this is what's been happening to Game of Thrones at the moment, because every season, it it's, get, it's get, they're getting further north in the story, oh, so they need, okay. need snowier and snowier weather and having to push back production longer each year. So. Interesting. Yeah. Well,
2: where do they shoot all the snowy stuff? Is that I studio, think... or did they actually go... No, I think they, Lens, they do right. it
1: in... Some in Iceland, I think, and a lot yeah. of it in Belfast. But um, Right. Yeah. and Another major thing about Mindhunter, like, one of the things that I've seen it, people talking about most I think is um, Cameron Britton's performances. at yeah. Ed Kemper. amazing yeah it was amazing I, was, I wondered how much of that he brought to set and it was fully formed and how much he had to work with you know you so,
2: so he he as far as I can remember now he's in episode he's two, introduced three. before isn't he yeah, before. yeah he's in episode two he's in episode ten because he's got it's a brilliant ending yeah um, so that had all been shot before I arrived to do episode three which is, he's in my app. Mm. It's in three, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, so I think a lot of that David had already worked with. me yeah. I'd already shot. I'd already seen cuts. Um, and and he was great. And he'd know that 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 performance had already been. He'd been cast perfectly. Mm. He's done his prep. He's an amazing actor. And then David had done quite a few scenes already. So that was one. I got lucky enough to work with him. But also that the. the the location of that room where the interviews happened had been set and he had already been in character for a while. Although yeah. he'd been away and then I came along and reshot. So again, that's the kind of interesting thing is how it's all shot out of sequence, which is interesting. Yeah. Must which be exciting which films having, are always done that. Like yeah.
1: It. Having already seen the rushes and knowing how good the chemistry is with that character must have been cool to be then. in the Yeah. Know yeah and and also, it.
2: you know, you don't know, you feel like, wow, this guy's amazing and the writing is amazing. But I think he's the he's the kind of the star that's re- Yeah you know, people have learned about, and he's become revealed because he's not. His name wasn't originally you know, above the title or anything. You know, you have the two main characters. Mm, you have Anatole. Yeah. They're the three you know key characters, I suppose. And then you've got this guy that you never. I don't know. Has anyone heard of him? Has no. I don't think so. He's just amazing. Yeah. And that's not him. You know, he's acting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you meet the guy, he's very different. I'm sure. The guy yeah. That you see. Um. And then if you get into the show then you know more and more people are now looking to find the real people it's based on and you realize yeah, how amazing I was going to say yeah
1: everyone's it. now doing side by sides and looking at those I'm sure as a documentarian you were interested to watch some of those videos were you before I am um, I actually what I had done is I'd read interviews with him
2: there are quite a few He's, this guy gave quite a lot of interviews the mm, real person yeah and so more it was for the script um when we were working on the scripts to to look at the actual things that he would said and say this is really interesting it's not in the script it's not in the movie what about using some of this or some of this so i didn't actually study him on youtube because i don't really like getting confused by yeah. that real person it's like the actor and the character's already been set that's what i'm going to work with now obviously beforehand people had looked at that and studied him um I think what that, that's something interesting about the show, that it kind of leads to the audience. If you get into it, you start doing a bit of your own investigation because these are real people. These are real things that they did these things and they said these things. And then you meet the actual person and you see how much work went into the casting. So that, that was interesting yeah. to start. We, there was definitely a bit of, when we were casting certain people for our reps, that looking at a real person and saying, who do we cast? That's a really good actor, but that also looks like the actual person. And then what did they say and what did they do and how we make sure elements of that are in the screenplay? So it is as close as we possibly can yeah. fictionalising something,
1: but you're basing it on fact. Yeah. Two things I really liked about the show I thought were really unique was one, obviously the fact that there isn't, aside from the, the photos and the splices in the, in the uh, title sequence, there isn't any violence in it. Yeah. And I kind of started to realise that. I don't know what episode. I, was, I, I hadn't almost realised that we hadn't witnessed a murder. And I was like, oh, shit, there's actually... <laughs> We're not seeing any of this. And I thought that was like a brave decision because yeah. they could so easily could have gone down the gore route. And I also like that, um, I don't think it, I don't think this happens in your episode. I think it's maybe slightly after, but they set it up that Holden's going to maybe have an affair with the, uh, professor and that seems like where it's going and then just cuts you off and is like, no, she's a lesbian. That's not on the cards. And then everything goes back to normal again. I quite like that. Right. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I mean, um, what was the first part?
2: Sorry, the first I was part was, I was about going. the uh, the, lack, the lack of you know gore and. Sorry, yeah, of yeah. course. I think that's one of the things that attracted me to it. I have to be yeah. honest. I'm not a gore guy, and I'm getting older now, and I'm not. I don't watch that stuff, and I was worried about. I would be worried about doing something. I'm not a fan of just making shows where you know, yeah, awful things happening to women or whatever, or or just for the hell of it, violence for the hell of it. It's not doesn't interest me. I think it has to be psychological. It has to be. If something violent happens, it has to affect you. And I think that's what's interesting about the show. Right from the beginning, David, Joe, yeah. everyone has said there's gonna be people talking about stuff. It's something And it, you're not sure is, yeah. if they're gonna really go with it. Yeah. And you hope they do, and I have to say, what they said is what was made. You know, I have in a way one of the few action scenes in the whole series. I have a car crash. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Something happened in that way, like which was a bit of a shock that makes you jump, but it was it was that, I remember thinking, oh, okay, that should be interesting, and then realising, okay, this is how David works. You go, okay, it's going to be a car crash, not how car crashes I've done in the past, where you actually get, you know, a lot of it is very technical. It's very, very clever how he works. A lot of it is very controlled. So, but that was it. There was no, there was no, I mean, they, they, they hand in guns when they go to prisons. Has anyone pulled a gun out at
1: any yeah, point? Do you think so. I don't think so. Rare for a show with, when there's ten, FBI involved. Ten times, uh... and,
2: and then I read an interview with um, John Douglas, where he's like, this is the most accurate depiction of what I actually do, because everyone else that's tried to adapt yeah. his life or his work in other versions, at some point the cop has to pull a gun at, And these guys just haven't done
1: that. No. And because they d- d- didn't. <laughs> that wasn't their role. There's no Miranda rights and flashlights. and uh, All yeah. of that business, you know. <laughs> so, um,
2: no, you're right. I think, I think the... The opening makes you jump. Yeah. the Opening sequence. And I think that's about it. And then really the title sequence puts you on edge, I think. It's yeah. a great title sequence. Is cool. I mean, I remember seeing it bit by bit, David doing that, shooting it himself, and you know, little elements were being added, and I get to Oh my god, it's I'm not sure. And then you see it finished and you watch it, and that sets the tone. Yeah. And then afterwards, you because you've become quite uncomfortable watch it the way it's begun. You don't really know where it's gonna go. I th- I think that's
1: great. It's such a subtle thing, but it's the fact for me that it's not just a frame of a dead body, but it's that slight zoom as well that it does yeah. across it. That's really like yeah, it?
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it is more kind of the show is more unnerving because it doesn't show it in a way. When you when you hear someone describing such such things like as if they're just like making a stew, yeah. that kind of puts you more on edge than if it was if it was shown. And
2: oh. These are real people. Yeah, that's the thing. This is real. It doesn't need too much more and I think I think look the 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 challenge and I suppose the the, the thing that's great about the show is it is always like we're aiming for an audience has to do some of the work and have to imagine things. And those are the films that I like, you know, we're gonna put it out there so from years ago it would have been I don't know. Lansky and then in recent years Michael Haneke's films you know the films that un- make me uncomfortable and unsettle me are not the ones that are yeah. smacking me around the face with gore yeah. they're the ones that make my imagination do
1: some work and um, I think that's what this show does yeah and um, you were talking earlier about the pressure of having to do three and four after hmm. Fincher did you get feedback as such in your episodes or is it more just left to the public and that's when you find out which whether your episodes were liked or not
2: well I, I, I guess that's the big difference between doing a movie And I was talking to a friend about this. You know, when you have a make a feature, it goes out and you have a premiere or you have an event and you have reviews immediately. On this one, it's interesting because we're doing press now, two weeks after Mm. the show series went out because initially I think only the first couple couple of eps were shown. I went to the London Film Festival event with David and they showed the first two eps. So then this is different because I'm now getting messages from people from around the world saying, just saw the show, it's amazing. But everyone will watch it in their own time which is different. Yeah. It's a different experience and I think it's, it's cool. Um, yeah, at the time, David gives you his notes when you're making it and, you know, David is a man of a few words. So when he says, this is great, I love this, I'm like, okay, that's good. And the crew are like, he never says that. He never says that. <laughs> <laughs> he loved that scene. He never says that. We've not had that the whole time. And I'm like, oh, he's just saying that, isn't it? But actually, you know, he says it, he means it. And I think that's what I learned, was that a few words were like, so you'd get a note if you'd shot a scene, or you, the rushes, he'd watch the rushes, and go, I love this, this is great. And that was like, this is good. Yeah. yeah, And then, and then once we've cut the show, you, you just don't know until the audience see it. I, you don't know. I thought it was interesting, but I also know it's an unusual show. Like I said, there's not like action in a con- traditional sense. You're yeah. waiting to see what do people make of it. Um, and But the word on the street,
1: so far, seems to be good yeah it does seems to be good yeah do you know how it's mapped out for the future or how long they see it running or? I
2: read years ago like uh, a bible but I don't know let's see who knows I think I think just as we were shooting the apps changed a bit yeah. so it'll be interesting to see w- what happens and where it goes
1: alright that was Colonel's I hope you enjoyed my Nazif's chat incredibly nice man who's very excited to be working on a huge show and has clearly learned a lot during it I hope we'll be back for season two, which is yet to be renewed, but it seems a pretty much dead set at this point. All right, thanks so much for listening again, and catch you next time.
0: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me.